they think of the clubs here the way I think of the wrecker. Yeah. Um. It's funny because they think of the wrecker sometimes. Yeah. Although I think it's not there anymore, the wrecker. Wait, really? Yeah, I think so. That's crazy in just a really minor way. Where do you go if you're a high school student in <laughs> like, Baltimore County? If you want to see, they might yeah. be giants. Well, Towson is just a, such a funny place. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bryce. And I'm Will. <laughs> and this is SideQuest. <laughs> A podcast about video games and learning and where we don't stay on topic. Yeah. Unless we do. Right. But that would (laughs) be off topic. So that would be acceptably off topic. Oh, good. I think that's the opposite of the way we pitched that the last time. Uh, (laughs) That's all right. Do I contradict myself? Uh, Okay, sure. (laughs) Someone famous said something along those lines. Uh, It... The other thing is that last time was maybe a long time ago. Yeah, we haven't done this in a while, and um, Bryce (laughs) sprung the I'm Bryce on me very quickly with little warning. Yeah, I forgot to write anything down before this. I mean, there was like, you know, 20 or 30 minutes of setting up equipment warning, but but then we just jumped right in. I have a a trick where I start recording before I indicate that we're recording. Well, one of the the conceits of the podcast, you know, or the, the origin story of the podcast is, you know, more or less that we were always podcasting all of the time. <laughs> right. And we just needed to record it. Yeah, that's true. There's oftentimes when we were previously podcasting a dog being walked at the same time, but yeah. that's all right. It's a little bit harder to record in those conditions. Yeah, so the last time was a long time ago because it's harder to do these things these days. I'm hoping to be able to get this done with aid, and that would be a good... With a little help from your friends. Yes. I podcast a little help from my friends. Yeah, it turns out there's a lot of things that one must do in the world. um, And there's a lot of things one wants to do in the world. Mm -hmm. And somewhere on that list is finish editing the podcast. Except it's not on my list, so I don't know where it is. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it was on my list for a really long time. And I finally did it, and I put it out. And so that was So that's great. Gentle viewers, I'm glad you listened. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things, I mean, so you've been busy because mm-hmm. you have started a new job and new jobs are hard. I've been busy because you left your old job and that <laughs> is hard for me. Uh, we've all been busy. But one of the things we were busy with was mm-hmm. this game jam. Yeah, we participated in Ludum Dare again. If you don't remember, we did this a few months ago. Ludum Dare is a game jam which is an event where people make a video game in a short period of time. So in this case, it was 72 hours. Yep. Ludum Dari does 72 hours. They also do a version that's 48 hours and is for just one person. But yeah, but that just doesn't sound as fun. No. Well, it would be fine. I just don't get why it's only limited to one person. Yeah, right. I just don't... That's cool, I guess. I can see being like, yeah, I'm going to do this whole thing myself and... Mm. But but actually, it's a leisure activity, and I just want to do those with friends. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the way it is. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so we did this once before. Our previous game was called Starbage Man, and was a game about collecting garbage in a spaceship and then launching it into a black hole. Yeah. Um, and that was really fun. And you should listen to us describe that from the episodes ago. I, yeah, you can probably find it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
one of my things on my to-do list shortly under finish editing the podcast <laughs> is uh, make there be show notes. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know what show notes are. I just have <laughs> listened to podcasts and that's the sort of thing people say on them. I've never mm-hmm. clicked on them because podcasts are audio. So how would you click on something? <laughs> right. It doesn't make any sense. There is a bit of text that I add to the file that describes it and I add it to SoundCloud, but I have no idea what happens to it after that. Yeah, people in podcasts all the time are telling me about show notes, but in fact, no podcasting experience I've ever had resulted in me seeing them. I'm usually walking and Um, listening on headphones, and so I don't have clicking or reading ability. That's why I'm listening to a podcast. The other thing that's really funny about podcasts and podcasters, they're always like reading URLs to you, right? They're always like, you should go to http colon slash slash thispodcaststuff.com. But in fact, you don't type in URLs. You just search for stuff. Yeah, that's true. It's the same bar. They even got rid of the URL bar. That's true. Or they got rid of the search. They got rid of one of them, and now there's just one. Yeah, the search bar takes priority, I think. Well, maybe not super priority. Hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know. But I've definitely been attempting to type in something as URL and had it be searched for instead. Yeah, well, if you forget the .com, which I just have stopped typing, because I'm like, oh, I'll just let Google type that for me. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I'll tell you some URLs on air, but it's ridiculous and I'm just owning it. <laughs> yeah, I think we do it. I think we tell you an email address, yeah. which you can use to ask us questions, right. which is contact at sidequestspodcast.com. I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm doing it right <laughs> That's now. That's great. Yeah, or you could just search for Sidequests Podcast and you might find something. Although, yeah. to be honest, you might not because <laughs> we're not that big. <laughs> right. You might be on the cutting edge of asking us questions. Yeah, you will have liked SideQuest before it was cool. Yeah, now's the you time. You currently like it before it's cool. I, I hope. I don't think we have to become cool for this statement to have been true. That's true. <laughs> so anyway, we made a game this time around. This time around, it's called Scoop. This game we made for this Ludum Dare. We made it in 72 hours last, two weekends ago? Yeah, two weekends ago, probably. Yeah. So the theme this time, so every time in these game jams, there is a theme. Yeah. So what was the theme for Starbage Man? Remind me, because I literally can't remember. It involved... All right. Oh, the worst thing somehow. Uh, Yeah. uh, No, it was the more you have, the worse it is. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Um, And we felt that this included garbage and responsibility. Yeah. So we did Um, that. And we used... A methodology that involved us splitting up and both doing separate pieces of the game, programming it, and then combining them in a later phase of development. And we decided we shouldn't do that again. Because it's not necessarily the most efficient. I think the method, I mean, I'm not sure I agree with you. You may have decided something that was not what I decided. We we did decide not to make a game that consisted of two entirely distinct mechanics. Yes. What I should do is go off and do some art for a while and, you know, all the animation and things. And that you could work on the game and then we could combine them and do that stuff. And so there was sort of a decision that that would be a better overall methodology. Well, because one of the things that happened with Star Wars Man, I really like Star Wars Man. Mm. I'm, I'm very proud of Star Wars Man. I think it's really fun. I agree. Um, but it didn't quite work. And it didn't quite work because it was too... There was too much there. We'd been mm. off more than we could chew and it was too complicated. Yeah. But we, we nailed a lot of it. Right. I, um, and I think what we nailed made the rest of it kind of work. Yeah. People could, could enjoy the game until they discovered that it was a kind of muddled system that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then they would stop 
playing, but they had had some fun. Yeah. But I think we did made this decision because we realized that we couldn't do the scope of Starbridge Man mm-hmm. um, in 72 hours. Right. I mean, we could do it, sort of. Yeah. And uh, it's weird to say we couldn't do it because we did it. Right. But we didn't get everything right. Mm-hmm. And, and specifically, we didn't get as much right as I would have liked. Yeah. It would have been really nice to be able to add more polish to the things we did get right than right. to add more features. Yeah. And the post-jam version, I think, turned out pretty well. We added a lot of the things that we missed. It was maybe another, I don't know, what, 10, 20 hours yeah, of it work? Yeah, it wasn't that much. Right. It also had a nebulous amount of thinking hours in between. Um, right. Where we were like, it had playtesting hours because people oh, yeah. played the game and then told us things about it. Right. Um, and people that we were there with, people on the internet. So Ludumdare... Many children. Were... I watched many children play right. it. <laughs> right. Ludumdare is done over the internet, so you don't actually have to go to a place. That's not true of all game jams, but Ludumdare that is true of. But one thing that I did was send some... Pe- some people were like, I stream video games. Send me your game and I'll play it on my stream and then I'll rate it. And so I sent that to a couple people and I watched them play it, which was kind of fun. Yeah. And there were some, some interesting results. <laughs> <laughs> that we that we still talk about. <laughs> I know. This one guy, he's like, I just press E all the time while playing video games. And that made me leave the station. So I just don't get why you made that button do something. <laughs> I'm like, you what? <laughs> you just press a random button? And like, sure. I, I assume he has an evil hand. Um, <laughs> that, 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 you know, it's a, a murderer's hand. That he lost his hand and then he got oh. replaced and it's a murderer's hand and he's trying to say like, kill everyone or something. Oh, with the letter E. Yeah, but it's not a type. In all fairness, there are some games where pressing E is like the use button and if right because E stands for use you're yes. referring to VI um, <laughs> or perhaps Nano you, you, uh, there are games that are made in the late 80s by Linux programmers mostly what I mean is games like Half-Life where E is like the use that health pack mm. button or like use that thing on the wall button flip that switch button and it never changes almost literally anything. none of those words contain the letter E no, the I... only word was health. <laughs> right, that's true. Vim. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Control W for right out. I thought it was O. Oh, you're out. right, you're right. It's control O for right out. Yeah, that's yeah. saving for those of you who um, haven't had the pleasure of finding themselves in Vim, which happens. No, no, that's that's nano. Oh. That's the easy to use text editor. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Vim. <laughs> I don't want to talk about them either. I find myself in it periodically. I don't know why. Anyway, so I showed it to some people. We had some time to work on it. We could polish some stuff. It was nice. This time around, we had sort of made some decisions about process. Right. And how we could work our time better and do things. Right. And one of the decisions was let's not try to make two games with like vastly different mechanics smashed into each other. So, with that being said, we're sitting here, we're waiting for the new thing. Right, we're like updating Unity and setting up GitHub repositories, and we weren't updating Unity, that was a lie. And we didn't set up GitHub either, because it wasn't GitHub, it was was, uh, the other one. Yeah, Source source Tree, Bitbucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, none of that was true. (laughs) So, we're sitting here waiting for them to announce the theme, and they announce it, and it's two genres that don't go together. 
Yeah. We're like, wait. And this is funny because on the one hand, that's exactly the opposite of what we said we wanted to do. Right. And on the other hand, it is very much what most of my design instincts want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, and actually, in some ways, it's a fine way to go about it, about a process to make a game. If you want to make a game with two different people who are working right. on different things at the same time. Yeah, especially in a Ludum Dare situation where you just don't have time to deal with crap involving merge conflicts. Right. You just don't. Like, you never want two people editing the same file because you could cause a stupid problem that costs dozens of minutes. And yeah. then dozens of minutes is, like, enough to matter. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, we have learned that from Starbridge Man. Yeah. I mean, we have run into it a little bit, but dozens of minutes in your hobby project don't right. really matter. Because you're like, oh, it took me an hour this week to suss out our merge. But also, in your hobby project, maybe you do that big merge of your two distinct things. You know, maybe you don't do it all that often, and right. so it you know, takes an hour for each big merge, but, but that merge was not a big deal. Right. But, like, in Ludum Dare, that's, like, some incredibly large yeah, percentage it's, it's, of your it's time. It's basically 85% of your time. <laughs> Right. It's spent on these problems. And each of these days of the weekend, we worked for like 12 hours? Around 12, well, a little we, more. we did and we didn't, right? Because right. Uh, I oh, yeah, yeah. failed at Ludum Dare. Um. <laughs> well, we all failed at Ludum Dare. <laughs> well, one thing is I just recently started my new job. So, you know, time off is like a thing that you yeah, have you, to like You don't want to just start asking for it. You don't want to show up and be like, by the way, guys. <laughs> right. These I are the times I don't work. <laughs> Right. Right. And I like have some other ones of those coming up already. So I didn't want to yeah. use that for this. So on Monday for eight of the 72 hours, I went to work. Right. And, and I didn't plan on going to work, but I didn't succeed at my plans. So I ended up going to work. Yeah. And, and then on Saturday, I did plan on going to work, but I was grumpy about it. So, you know, I spent... <laughs> four hours on Saturday working right. not on the game but instead launching hundreds of water bottle rockets with children which is delightful right and before you go that sounds awesome <laughs> no after you say that sounds awesome if you had planned the day to be working on a fun video game that you were going to do so this one we spent many hours fewer than yeah. we did on Starbridge Man yeah I think that's true we it was like 16 hours fewer probably yeah, and so I think it shows yeah. in certain aspects of it. And one of the things is in where we ended up cutting time was at the end where we thought we had another essentially day of work to do. So the night before going into Monday, I was like barely getting art done for the backgrounds and sending right. them off. And expecting essentially you to spend a bunch of time figuring out how to fit things into the level. Yeah. But we didn't end up getting started until 6 p.m. Right, or yeah. something. I, I had made a plan to work on the game on Monday, but it turned out there were a bunch of work deadlines that probably through my own fault were poorly communicated probably by me to me <laughs> um, and then I suddenly realized that there was a thing to do and then I further suddenly realized that the thing to do wasn't very long <laughs> yeah and like this just happens yeah it's like a vague problem if you think it's really important right. I mean to get we weren't going to win Ludum Dare and the internet and be the heroes of the world yeah. so I'm not yeah. like 
like so broken up about it. <laughs> I'm similarly not broken up about it because I had already planned on not working on it for yeah. most of that day. Um, but it meant that we had to essentially, and I had done some level design in my head, but then I had other things to do that evening to finish up. So like I didn't necessarily fully communicate where people should go and we had bugs and right you know, yeah and i went everything the best i could but in fact some of it was wrong um, yeah. like some of it was literally not where i thought i had put things yeah the version we published did not include everything i thought i had done <laughs> right yeah there were some things that there's no reason um, why you would think that that was and, and i vaguely think that like something weird happened involving unity prefabs and scenes where a bunch of things reverted to an earlier state Oh, weird. During, like, between a playtest and a build. Weird. Huh. But when you're in, like, tens of minutes, right. like, who knows? Did I accidentally apply a prefab instead of revert a prefab? Or, uh, you know. Or revert one instead of apply one? Yeah. There's no way to know. I think I probably did one of those things, mm -hmm. and it probably broke the guard positioning, because yeah. basically none of the guards are in the right place. Right. Which is most of the level design. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about what the game is. Yeah. Scoop! Scoop. So there are two genres that we were decided to fit together. is a stealth game and a typing tutorial. That is correct. Yes. And I just want to point out that while these genres might seem incompatible, it's a game we've been like talking about making for a long time. I have been planning this game for a very long time in my head. Well, but it's a little different than the original one that I was planning. Uh, right. Because... I was actually planning a horror survival typing tutorial game. Yeah, which uh, isn't the same as stealth. It's not there the same. There are overlapping elements. It's not different from stealth a lot, but I don't want to talk about that game that was has been in my head. But basically what you do in this game is you sneak around avoiding guards, getting yourself into positions where you can overhear conversations, and then you type them. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole game. And the conversations are that we ended up with are pretty simple, and it doesn't quite fully have the tutorial aspect to it, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that we were actually just making a game, and the, our target audience for the jam is people who know how to type. Right. I mean, everyone who is allowed to review the game has been on a team that made a game. Right. So they probably can type. Right. Okay, so you are allowed to submit using Scratch. Yeah. So theoretically, and I have seen one Scratch game. That's with, great. I, I want there to be more. Yeah, I would love to do one, but I actually think it would be hard to collaborate on it. If I was the, doing the compo. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. That is why I have not suggested that we use Scratch. I know. And I love Scratch so much that I work there. But that's not like a real statement, I guess. A lot of people don't love where they work. Right. I do. <laughs> um, but I, I really love Scratch. And the game that I saw wasn't a real game, per se, so much as it was an art piece about how they weren't good at making games mm. and they did a thing in Scratch. It was clever. I uh, Enough. Yeah. But it turns out, despite what people think, Scratch is actually just a programming language. Yeah. And you can just make stuff in it. Oh my, and it presents some things that are so much easier to do than in other programming languages and engines and all that yeah. stuff. And in some things are like weirdly harder. Yeah. But that's fine. Right. If you choose tools, it's weirdly right. harder to put a screw in with a hammer. But Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that like in other languages are trivially easy are really hard in Scratch. Some number of things. Yeah. No, the, 
the the distance between like the fact that there are so many things that are so much easier in Scratch, yeah, and so many things that are so much harder. Right. It's very funny. Yeah, it's true. And the things that are so much easier are so much easier for a reason. And the things that are harder are because it's better to be easier in the other things. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's generally also for a reason. It's just a, a result of some other decision making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's ultimately better to be harder in the hard ways. When you design a thing, you are designing it for a purpose. And, right. And you... You keep that purpose in mind when you make decisions because most design decisions are, in fact, trade-offs between one thing or another. Mm -hmm. um, if they're not trade-offs, they're not design decisions. I don't know. You should just do it right. Decisions. Mm -hmm. It's not a decision anymore. Right. They're laziness decisions. Right. Which you do sometimes. Or, like, I'll do it in the next version. Oh, decisions yeah. are fine yeah, decisions. No, I make a lot of laziness decisions, yeah. but they're not real decisions. Right, right, right. Like, often you decide... Which thing do I implement now versus which thing do I implement in the next phase? Yeah. Or if I get around to it. Right. So, which we did a, certainly a lot in Scoop. Right. Yeah. And, and so that, that kind of brings us back to that notion. One of the big challenges of the game jam is you have this vision for a game and then you have to like pare it down to its core very quickly. And then think about what the core gameplay is and, and make that work. Yeah. Hold on. We're going to pause very briefly. Okay. We made some oh. decisions in Scoop to work on some things rather than other right, things. Right, yeah, yeah. Right, you're constantly paring down. And, and Scope is one of the big challenges of any kind of project, actually. And I was going to say small-scale project, but no, actually, all scale even projects. when you're a gigantic thing, you are still not an infinitely gigantic thing. So presumably, you are like, what can we do and what can't we do? Right. right. I believe that Ford recently shut down its, like, sedan and because yeah. they were like, you know what, we're going to focus on trucks and the things we do well. Right. right. And so Ford decided that the scope of being a car manufacturer was actually beyond it. Right. So. <laughs> right. It was like, we're a vehicle manufacturer. We sell trucks, right. but let's scale back on this part because actually they're not doing as well as these other yeah. cars in the market. And we can really focus on what we do right. what, well uh, on. It's the core thing we're trying to accomplish here or right. whatever, right? And apparently and it's trucks. Apparently it's trucks, which is, is great. I like trucks. They're helpful. And of course, that's this is a gigantic thing. But you know, we're making this decision over 72 hours. And mm -hmm. what can you do and what can't you do? And it turns out you can't do most things. Yeah. So you just immediately... Immediately, you're like, well, how many dimensions are we going to do? Two. Two. Because um, a third dimension is out of scope. Right. And a one a one dimension is a design problem that's too complicated. <laughs> so it's also out of scope. In all fairness, people do 3D games, but they're more used to working in that scope than us. Yeah. Which is, we're not used to it at all. But so we, we like pared it down. We, I think we got to the core. There was a typing tutorial and right. there was a stealth game. So, and they did interact with each other. And I feel good about that. Yeah, it's true. So I made the typing part and you worked on the stealth yep. section. And then we stuck them together. Actually, so I have no idea what happens in the code at all in the stealth section. Yeah. And I feel similarly about the typing. It was very like last minute. Like it was literally in the last three, four hours that we yeah. were like, let's slap these things together and see if it works. <laughs> right. um, it did. So that yeah. was cool. Um, well, so I did think about how you would want to implement it in other things. So I left things uh, specifically having open public uh, yeah. functions. 
that you can just call, like starting a conversation when you get close to it. Like I just made start the conversation something easily accessible to the code that you could access when that you'd be like, I'm in there, let's trigger that conversation. Yeah, and, and I think the experience of Starbridge Man helped us with, with that kind of decision making, mm-hmm. like the kind of architectural yeah, decision making where it was like, okay, we know these things are going to interact right. and we have a, we know we should think about what the interaction points are. And right. let's, let's make that painless. Because so, Starbridge Man was just filled with a lot of like, wait, why am I representing this 17 times? Right. It's really only one number. So the big decision I made early on was I made there be a conversation object. So there is a conversation and it, it's not like people talking. It's There's a conversation happening somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that conversation has participants. But those are totally unrelated to entities in the world. Right. And you have a start conversation and then it happens. And then there's like a timing thing that I set up. And then I implemented that you can see those and then there's like the typewriter and it's not a typewriter it's a laptop but actually it is a type I don't I believe remember it's what typewriter it. script or something like yeah, that yeah there's something that's called a typewriter but <laughs> that's okay well you're in space so you need typewriter <laughs> well because of the bug detectatron <clears throat> oh yeah the bug detectatron yeah <laughs> but it's it's a laptop the, the art is a laptop but like deciding to to make the conversation itself holds so much of its own information and making decisions about where that's going to be stored early on, I think really helped a lot of the other things. And it really helped fitting the two things together, I think. I don't know. I didn't fit any of the things together. Yeah, I mean, I and I, I don't know exactly what decisions were made, but, but it was relatively straightforward. It was the end of the day... And we were like, well, we need to actually make this game work. And, you know, you had drawn some level designs, and I had written some code to make levels, and I was mm-hmm. just kind of, like, looking at your level designs and looking at the things, and I think you were you were making some art that needed to get made. Yeah. And, um, and so I was like, I don't know. I'll just keep wiggling my fingers until it works. But then it turned out it worked. It, it, like, nothing nothing caught me by surprise during okay. that, that last moment. Oh, good. It, it, it just worked. Um, you know, there was... It was work, and I knew it mm-hmm. would take time and effort. And yeah. unfortunately was not able to dedicate the time and effort that I wanted to <laughs> right. to it. Yeah, that would have been better, like, morning work. Yeah, and, and so, like, I feel really good about a lot of what we did. My, like, main takeaway experience from it is just, like, vague disappointment at, like, feeling like I was too distracted to really focus on the thing and not... Like, I don't feel excited and proud of Scoop in the way that I feel about Starbridge Man. Mm. Um, yeah, the other thing is we didn't spend... So on Starbridge Man, I had Monday off. Mm-hmm. And, well, I mean, I didn't have a job at the time, so like I had all the days off. But I, I spent all of Monday building a tutorial You're right. and like planning the whole level design and the whole sequence of events and coding it so that it worked so that things triggered and that yeah like, and that would have been amazing right right like and i think that's that's like that eight to twelve hours of, yeah. of work that we collectively could have added to it if yeah. if our life scheduling had been different right would have pushed scoop from being like that was kind of interesting cool mm-hmm. to like me feeling the same way about it that I feel about Star Wars. I was like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. Star Wars is not an award-winning game. Right. Um, it didn't win any awards, for example. <laughs> no, I think there you know, were some. It's not, mean, it's not the best thing ever, but but I really like it, and I was very pleased with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very obvious to me that Scoop is just like 12 hours of work from that feeling. Yeah. Which is like slightly disappointing, but it's also really cool to actually just be able to measure that. I mean, yeah. like, we have enough experience with design to know that 
it's just some hours and i know approximately how many hours yeah because we had them the last time yeah yeah and and i think we should probably do a post jam version yeah and i think we can probably do something Mm -hmm. with that so you spent a lot of the time on that last day, the last few hours, fitting the level design in and also cramming in the speech stuff, although you did some of that stuff the day before. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I think you did, because I was done, because I spent the very end of the day, uh, the second to last day, doing art. Mm-hmm. So most of the character design I did. Yeah, like it, was, it, was imp- it was implementing Yeah, it was implementing design work, maybe yeah. mostly. Yeah. Right, and so I spent the very last day shoehorning conversations into doing tutorial opening scene yeah. and like doing some art for that and, and stuff like that so like because there was no instruction in the game right. and, and and ideally you wouldn't have had to do that work because that work would have been in game work and whatever but, yeah but yeah I don't know so that's more or less my feelings on on Ludum Dare 41 yeah. um, I'm excited to do more game jams I'm looking forward to, yeah. to making more short little games I'm also looking forward to expanding some of them into other things so. right and it's exciting to get you back into doing things in programming land right to then apply that to your other have it carry your enthusiasm forward so I think we should take a bit of a break and then we should talk about some games we're playing playing and what we're working on and yeah other news and stuff and uh, we will see you in a little bit ciao and we're back hello it was gonna be a short break but it was a long break yeah but you couldn't have possibly known that because you probably just heard Right, and then maybe we've done that one before, but who knows what's going to be this time? I certainly don't know. Um, The the audience does. It was it was a fine break. Yeah, I I would say Um, we had we had a a series of delightful interactions which you know nothing about. That's true. So let's move on. Yeah, Uh, what should we do this time? No need to brag. (laughs) What should we talk about this Um, time? So we talked about the game we made. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. And I want to talk about what we've been playing. Yeah. Um, primarily, I've been playing Celeste mm. on the Nintendo Switch, right. um, which is a precision platformer game. That sounds that's good. It. That's yeah, actually that's all it. of it. I, I wanted one more word, but right. there wasn't one. A precision platformer. So I also played some of this on the PlayStation 4. Not the Switch. But the chances of it being any different between the two right, are quite slim. low. Because yeah. it's low enough, I, I want to say fidelity, but that's not quite... It's it's like pixel art style. Yeah, it, it's what we will now call a retro game. Right. At a, at a certain point, we will stop calling it retro because it will turn out that it's just a useful aesthetic. Yeah, um, right. It's an aesthetic that you might see on a PlayStation, except that I think it has like more buttons and analog sticks. Oh, it's got support. like a thousand buttons. I or like a Nintendo. I meant. I don't have good feelings about its controls necessarily, and the number of buttons it uses. I don't um, remember how many buttons it uses. Basically, a thousand. Um, I remember it using like jump and like square makes you zap. Yeah, that's somewhere. it. That's the problem. The problem is that instead of having the jump button be the the zap button, they're two different buttons. Oh. Oh, interesting. And this, I think this is horrible. I did find it slightly annoying to zap. I think... But not very annoying. You can't jump once you're in the air. Right. There's no double jump. So what would the jump button do? It cannot do anything. Okay. So the only purpose for this is so that you can do a zap while you're standing. Can you do a zap while you're standing? You can. So that's why they have implemented this. 
Okay. But I don't think that's a rich enough behavior to apologize can, is for it, it. So you can zap straight sideways? You can zap straight sideways from platform to platform. And they have made some puzzles that require this. Okay. Um, so they've they've written into the gameplay. And the game's great. So yeah. rewinding, I really love this game. Um, I've mm. spent about 20 hours of jumping from thing to oh, thing okay. and dying. Um, I spent about half an hour. I did the first level. The first uh, zone, whatever you yeah, yeah. call that. There's like a mountain, or it's like a it's city. A mountain. It's called Celeste. Yeah, Mount, yeah. Mount Celeste, I but, believe. But there's like a dilapidated city that you're in oh, yeah, the yeah. first That's one. True. And so I did that one. And my thing was that I beat that level without realizing that that's what I had done mm-hmm. or that there were other paths and I didn't take them and I don't have a reason I didn't take them. I tend to, when I play games, to the frustration of people watching occasionally, go in purposefully the not way you're supposed to right, go. Right, you try to find all way. the things. Right, and this is my, like my approach to using software, which is, I think, one of the reasons why QA is appealing to me. <laughs> it's like, do it wrong <laughs> and see how you break it. But, like, in games, I'm like, oh, that's the path to the castle. Clearly, there's a castle, there's a path that's going right to it. But if I go in the other direction, I might find a shiny thing. Yeah. And often you do. Yeah. Because that's why they made that section, was because they put a shiny thing there. And in 3D games, it's like, that's the way I need to go straight ahead. Turn right. Just go over there and find out what happens that way. And so I found some guy to talk to in that first level. Mm-hmm. Who was like the dude? The, the, he has an Instagram account. Yeah, he has an Instagram account. Um, he does, in fact, have an Instagram account, so you can look at it. That's um, <laughs> if you look up the yeah, whatever he yeah, said. Yeah, whatever his username for the non-Instagram website he cites. Um, if you look it up on, it's called like Instapix, I think. Oh, um, but if you if you use his username on Instagram, there's an account there. That's a boss. It has a bunch of like selfies with him and. Uh, but it's like the cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are from the game. It's fantastic. That's amazing. I have to find it. I'm not sure whether I think that character is kind of a dick or not. Could be. I don't remember. I feel confused about that character, but in a way that makes me like the game. That where I'm like, this guy, he's like, he's kind of nice, but he's like kind of an asshole. Huh. But Does he show up more than that one time? Yeah. Okay. But, but that's like true of a lot of people in the world. So, <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. So I found that guy and there looked like there were other ways I could go from his screen that I couldn't Hmm. get to somehow. Right. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's strawberries. Yeah. There's strawberries to get and there's B-sides to collect. Oh, I Um, didn't get any B-sides. I got half the strawberries in that one level. So one of the things that's rewinding again... It's a puzzle platformer. Puzzle? Um, maybe not. Just a platformer. The puzzly elements of, like, getting the MacGuffins, which are strawberries in this case. Yeah, I... The puzzle platformer is a phrase that is used a lot to describe games. But most of the platformers I enjoy playing have a puzzly element to them, mm-hmm. where you must solve it in your brain before you do it in execution. You showed me that one video of Castlevania, the first oh, one. yeah. And it describes all of the encounters in the entire original Castlevania as puzzles to solve and, like, situations that you're like, oh, well, if you don't get that knife, then you have the axe for this other thing. Yeah. Like, you really want the holy water for the final battle, so don't get any of the useful weapons in the level. So I believe that this video series is called Game Theory. That could be. And it is a really, really great, mm-hmm. insightful look at this video game. And it's basically unedited 
Yeah. And it's a very slow and boring watch. Like, you're watching someone play a video game. And, and it's entirely worth it. Yeah, it's watching somebody play a video game, but also stopping and pausing and talking in great detail for a long time about particular elements yeah. of it. So, like, if he just beat it, it would be, like, five minutes long. And right. apparently he... Because you can't save in that game. Right. When he was doing the later episodes, he just had to beat up to that point every time. Yeah. And it's very funny because I think this video series has, like, very low production values mm. and is a little bit hard to watch. Yeah. And, and I apologize if you're listening and you feel that's a criticism. But I, I mentioned it because I want people who go to it to yeah. watch it anyway. Yeah. Because it's, it's so insightful. Yeah, it's really good. And it's a really great way to think about how your levels are designed. And it really talks about, if you're designing a level, make it like a puzzle, even if it is primarily an action game. Yeah. Like Castlevania is. Yeah, and, and so the term puzzle platformer is confusing to me because there are games that are like primarily puzzlers and there are games that are primarily platformers and there's like a lot of games in the middle. And puzzle platformer is thrown around a lot with games like Braid, which is like clearly a puzzle game. Right. But it's not clear where the, where the boundary is. And so maybe it's wrong to describe Celeste as a puzzle platformer, but there are moments where I look at the layout and I say, I need to hit that crystal to recharge my double jump. Yeah, that was not clearly taught, but I figured it out eventually that the crystals fixed your jump. That's fine, because you die, so whatever. That's how you learn, is by dying. Yeah, it just... Oh, maybe you don't think it taught well. I don't think it taught that well. Huh. That's interesting, because I felt fine about it. I tried to get it, and I was like, oh, how come it grew back? Because, like, I didn't need to use it the first time well, I found it. Well, your hair color. Yeah, I had not <laughs> noticed at that point that my hair color changed after I had zapped. Yeah. And that, that meant I couldn't zap. I knew I couldn't zap twice. Right, and that's really interesting, because I noticed it, and so everything made sense. But no. it's a very easy thing to not notice because no. it's not the sort of thing that's normally... I can't think of any other video game where your hair color communicates a piece of gameplay state. Well, Zelda communicates your gameplay state based on your shirt color. Yeah, that's true. Once you get the rings, you... Uh, you take half damage. You, or... Yeah, half and then a quarter. Yeah. Which is nice because you can like get bumped a couple times on your way into the boss or whatever. And, you know, it's a lot easier. In... How does it round? Do you... Does it round? I'm sure keep, it doesn't. What does it keep track of? The first time you hit, do you lose a heart or do you lose half a heart? Or I think in the beginning you lose half a heart because you only have three. The only important reason to think about this has to do with the sword shooting. So right. if you have, I haven't played Zelda in very long time. If you the, lose a quarter of a heart, you don't lose any hearts. Okay, so you don't you don't lose your sword shooting ability. Right, the first time you get bumped. All right, cool. That's great. Yeah. End this conversation. Move on. <laughs> okay. But there are other examples of game state being shown by the coloration of your character. Right, yeah. No, it's, it's not crazy, but it's also not obviously... Like, I noticed it, and it worked for me, but I can totally see that it, you wouldn't necessarily have done that. Right, and I did notice it eventually. I just didn't notice it at first. Mm -hmm. And then using your hair color as a way to indicate your having zappedness is not necessarily super obvious. Well, not yet. I mean, once Celeste is the standard game that people refer to, it will <laughs> right. be very normal. <laughs> but yeah, that might be true. Um, like, I don't know. 
Mario knowing that being big means you can take a hit. Right. And I say that in like a half-joking way, but actually I think the game is good enough that people will in fact be referring to it. Yeah, I don't know if being good enough necessarily is an indication that it will be that place in people's brains. That's fair. I think that like it's got to beat out Super Meat Boy in people's brains for a certain number of aspects of describing it in other contexts. Yeah, and I haven't played Super Meat Boy for more than... 20 minutes so we're like uh, opposites here right um, i've played a shitload of super meat boy yeah, you've played that game through you've beaten it um, i once sat down and just beat it in a sitting yeah and i have played all of celeste and i have started working my way through like the challenge modes which are the b-sides right. so there are tokens that are hard to find and if you find these tokens they access harder levels and this is the same thing that happens in super meat boy yeah yeah this is right or which super is a- meat boy you access the harder version of the level by beating it in a certain time. Okay, I I think that's actually quite different. Right, but the idea is that there's a challenging method of completing a level. Yeah, but what the challenge is, like whether the challenge is time versus space, actually feels very different to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're very different structurally Mm -hmm. as a whole. Because the B-sides primarily reward exploration. They reward Mm -hmm. the thing that you have described doing, which is like, can I go here? Can I go there? I'm going to die over there. Right, um, dropping down holes that you think will kill you. So getting the B-sides is... Usually, you do have to perform a very difficult challenge to get them. But before you even perform that challenge, what you have to have done is notice a weird path. And so that might be, a, like, over over the course of the game, one of the things that you note is there are certain walls that you can pass through or whatever. Right? Mm. And it's like an, it's an art difference. And you're like, oh, right. there's like a weirdness in the sprite here. And that means I can break through it. Or, in a lot of ways, that reminds me of Abe. Yep. Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus. In that there's bits where there's rocks falling. Yeah. So one thing that it does cleverly, those games, is so there's places you can jump up. So in Abe, there are two levels per screen. There's some screens that have three levels, but whatever. Yeah, it's in and out. There's two zoom levels. Oh, okay. It's just two. It feels so epic that it could be... My my surprise there is only because I have paid a lot of attention to the platforming of Abe. um, (laughs) Right. Based on the game that Bryce and I are currently you know, thinking about together. Right. And I played a lot of Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus way long ago. But they do this clever thing where there's two height levels normally. So you can stand on the bottom, you can climb up to the top. And then if you climb up again from there, then you go into another screen. Okay. Normally. And then there's another mode where there's three and you're kind of like way in the background and you're zoomed out and you're, you look much smaller. And they do a thing with the foreground and the background sometimes. And they're very clever and it's great. And okay. you should play so those games. So you said do a thing with the foreground and the background. Oh. And then you moved your hands in a way that uh, not only did I not understand, <laughs> none of the viewers understood. Uh, true so sometimes there will be bits of level in the foreground plus bits of level in the background like in a parallax layer it's not parallax because the camera never moves okay so no because it's all static but you're in the foreground mm-hmm. oh but you'll see it and, and then you'll and see then the at background. some point in the future you'll right. return to that for or... example there's a number of tubes you can jump down and then it'll spit you out in the background layer mm-hmm. And then you can move around. And sometimes there's like the slings, which can shoot you. Yeah, yeah. They're the bad guys. They have robot pants. Yeah. They're great villains. They go, what? 
and they can shoot from the background to the foreground, but not the other way. Oh. Which is an interesting thing. Huh. I gotta play more of this game again. I've played it a couple times in my life, but... I clearly don't remember it enough. When you own a PlayStation and, like, five games. Everything looks like a spinning disc. <laughs> I mean, you just play a lot of the games that you own. Yeah, I, I happened to not own this one. I played through mm. Oddworld. I borrowed the disc from Dave Handy. Oh, nice. Oh. Hi, Dave. <laughs> so I owned both of them because mm -hmm. the first one was so good I got the second yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And I, in fact, borrowed the second disc from Dave Handy as <laughs> right. well, I think. But right. I played saxophone next to Dave Handy for a little while. Yeah, I like Dave a lot. Anyway, so I, I had them and I played them a lot because they're some of the better games of even the ones that I did have. Yeah. And so there's the foreground and the background. Let's just talk about the standard situation, which is you're just in the front. Three. There's two heights mm -hmm. that you can be standing on. And then the you can drop one. down from the bottom height sometimes. And then you go down onto another screen. Mm -hmm. And it reloads and the camera is still. And you like then drop out of the ceiling. Or you can climb up out of the top of that. Then you climb up through the bottom of the next screen. But in order to indicate that you can climb up from the top in those situations, there are these little, like, dropping rocks. Oh, little debris. yeah. I vaguely remember that. Right. To indicate. And they teach you that at some point. But then earlier in the game there's little debris so there's like secrets that you can climb into oh so they they make you notice it oh, later yeah that's funny the celeste secrets are really weird because some of them involve going in a path that isn't the obvious path hmm. but literally every time while in my playthrough of the game like because i'm like you i see a pit and I think, can I jump in this pit? Will, right. will it take me somewhere interesting? Right. So I think I literally jumped in every pit um, mm -hmm. in my playthrough of Celeste. And I think actually, and this sounds like an exaggeration, but I think 100% of the time I was right with my expectation. Okay. And what I mean is most of the pits killed me. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, this is probably not a secret. And I jumped in it and I died. Right. And, and I thought to myself, under a very narrow set of circumstances, I was like... I can probably go down here, and I jumped in it, and I could. In a lot of ways, I learned that expectation from Abe. Yeah. Because for Abe, every time you found a secret, it went... <laughs> like, it made this little, like, sound effect for, like, you found the secret, which was great, because it meant that you knew that you right. did something clever, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were just da, lots da, da, of pits. <laughs> yeah, right. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> I found the thing. There's the words to that song. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really find any secrets that I didn't expect either in Celeste, but I only played a small and, portion. And Celeste is not a game about secrets. So I think I think like thinking of it in the, those terms is mostly wrong because mm. Celeste is mostly interested in making you do these hard jumpy things. I mean, you just got to do this jumpy thing. You got to right. do it again. And then you died and you got to do it again because right. you got to figure it out. And I, I mean, I like doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm the target audience for that game. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was the target audience for that game when I first heard about it. And then Mark mm -hmm. Brown made yeah. the Game Design Toolkit episode about it. Yeah, that might have been the first time I heard about it. And, and I was like, I would like to play that. And that was the second time I heard about it. And I have a theory, a marketing theory. Oh, which, okay. is, which is that the second time you hear about something is when you take an action. This is a marketing mm -hmm. theory I have held for a decade of running a company. Right. But I believe that when you, you put a flyer up and someone sees it and you put a flyer up somewhere else and they're like, oh, yeah, 
I might want to go to that summer camp. <laughs> right. If you happen to be marketing a summer camp. Right. Which you might be. Yeah, it happens to some of us. Yeah. I've done it. Despite our best intentions. But the Mark Brown episode was the second time I saw Celeste. And I was like, well, shit, Like, I really do want to play this game. I think the second time I heard of it might have been when you were saying you were playing it. And then I bought it. you bought it. Yeah, it's 100% of our data points suggest that the second time you hear about something is when you buy it. And two things make a line. Yeah. Or square. That's true. <laughs> Two things make a line, square, or cube. They can cover an infinite distance. Oh, well, an infinite number of dimensions. Yeah, an infinite number of space in an infinite number of dimensions. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But so, I got this game, and I love it. It's really mm-hmm. fun. I worked hard at it. I did all these jumping things. I died a lot. I turned into a bunch of little circles that moved away from the point where I died. Moved into a bunch of circles? Yeah, when you die in video games, you turn to a bunch of circles and they, they like go out from you and they go bloop. oh all video games I assume <laughs> okay you turn to circles I assume that there is just a die function that all video game designers have access to <laughs> and it's like spawn circle and they all have a different direction it's a bunch of circles Mega Man does it all these games do it Bryce can be the space but but all of you listeners you're aware of dying and turning into a bunch of circles that move away from you at a speed Abe turns into birds that's true, but birds are basically circles. All right. I would like to move on from this circle. Imagine a spherical bird. So it's like a physics problem yes. in high school or early college physics. I believe, in fact, that most video game development is a bunch of physics problems from high school or early college physics. Yeah, that's true. I accept. And I expect that someone was like, uh, I guess they're just going to be spheres. <laughs> and thus, circle collision was yep. born. But I... I love this game. It was really fun. It's really hard. I played through it. I banged my head against it over and over again. I played through all of the main levels. I collected mm. all of the B-sides. And then mm-hmm. I began playing through the B-sides. Okay. And this is where it all went wrong for me. Okay. <laughs> and it's not fair to say it all went wrong because I love this game. Uh-huh. Um, if anyone listens to this and it's like, oh, side quests doesn't like Celeste. They're wrong. They're dumb. I liked it. Yeah, don't don't ever say that. And we'll but, say he liked it. Yeah, so, so uh, my criticisms are here, but mm-hmm. I hate all the games I've ever played. Game design is hard. All the games are hard. Mm-hmm. You know, most things are bad. But so the puzzles in Celeste Main, the, the A-sides, mm-hmm. if you will, I felt like I had to solve them and then do them. Okay. And solving them was hard. Uh-huh. And then doing them was hard. Okay. But with a little bit of effort on each one, I could move on. Mm -hmm. And the B-sides feel like solving them is a little hard, and then doing them is, like, really, really super hard. Oh. And one of the ways it's hard is that the checkpoints are further apart. Oh. And so I just feel like as I play through these, and I think I might be done. I haven't done all of them. Right. But I think I might be done. I feel like as I play through them, I'm just, like, bashing my head against it until I get lucky. Right. There's a reason why they're B-sides. Yeah. Is that they don't expect you to do them. Right, and that's fine. Like, I shouldn't complain about the rest of the game, right? And I'm not. I'm not saying, like, this game is bad because the extras (laughs) that they made for hardcore players are too hard. Right. That would be a very silly thing to say. Mm. Um, But it's interesting because I feel like I loved the difficulty curve of the main game. Mm -hmm. But then playing the secondary game, the hard mode game, and maybe I'm just not cut out for hard mode or whatever, but it's just not as fun because I feel like I'm trying it over and over again. I'm just muddling through until I 
I understand that all of my button presses come from my fingers and my brain, mm -hmm. but it still feels like I'm playing through until I get lucky. Okay. I will say something about Super Meat Boy, which this is very relevant to, which is it has all of its Dark World levels, the B-side levels. Yep. And mostly what happens is when you get to the end of the game, you are way more prepared to be... Like, the beginning of the game is stupid easy. Mm-hmm. So now you get to continue the difficulty curve from where right. you left off from beating the game from the yeah, beginning it's, it's like of the second the quest. One. Yeah, but better than the Zelda one because that just rearranges levels and the levels are basically the same. Although Mario, the original Mario, if you beat it, you get the second game where all the Goombas are Beetle Baileys and it's strictly harder because Beetle Baileys are harder to deal with than Goombas are. There's more to it. Yeah, the, that, the, the thing that's really interesting about this is that the challenges are really hard, but something about it makes me feel like I'm just forcing my way through instead of working my way through. Um, oh, yeah. Like, And it's just a very subtle difficulty moment. I, I don't know if this is a universally experienced feeling, but it feels to me like I've done hard things in my life. Right? Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of different hard things in my life under a lot of contexts, but this one feels like the difficulty thing is I'm just doing it over and over again until I succeed. Mm. And even though I know I am literally in control of every moment, success still feels random. It just feels like I, I had a good run. Mm. Which is very funny because there, yeah. are, there are games where success is literally random where I don't feel that way. Um, yeah, well, randomness is funny in the way that it, it affects that. Like, oh, well, this time I happen to have gotten a good bounce right. or and whatever. It, right. And it's know. very important to note that in Celeste, there's literally no randomness. Right. So when my brain says you just bashed against this until you had a good run, what my brain means is I bashed against it until I did the right things. Mm. But it, somehow I don't feel like I did it in the end. Huh. I feel like I pressed buttons and then I won. Mm. And the closest analog experience I have to this is the game Rush Hour. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. This is the a, board game. It's a tabletop you... puzzle by Think Fun. Yeah. They make a huge variety of tabletop puzzles where there are little plastic containers that contain tokens and cards. Yeah. And the cards define a setup, and there's a set of rules, and you move tokens around, and you have to reach a state. And I love almost all their games. I'm just a huge Think Fun fanboy. <laughs> there have been many digital versions of Rush Hour made. Yeah. One of them was called Unblock Me that I've played, where you like slide things in a cube, and things only have one dimension that they can slide in. It's themed with cars in a in rush hour. Rush hour in the board game, but like the idea is there's an exit and there's a yeah, particular there's a car one. you're trying to get out, and you move them around until finally you're like, oh wait, I think I can do this, and yeah. it's not strictly luck and it's not strictly randomness and it's right. not strictly skill yeah but it's it's very odd so i love this company i love this set of puzzle games i occasionally use them to teach mathematics and logic to children but rush hour in particular you just get this feeling where you're just like shuffling tokens around and then suddenly you won right um, and if anyone asked you to go backwards oh you'd be like, well, i don't know i just did it i won yeah, i'm right. moving on you can't do i clearly it. solved the puzzle right look how the car is out of rush hour now yeah. And it is objectively a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. But it's the same feeling I have yeah. of like, I beat it, but, but did I good beat it? Yeah. I don't feel good about it. Yeah. I don't know um, if I could do it again. You know those the like blacksmith toys 
The, yeah. the classic yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Is the, the two horseshoes with like a little bit of chain between both ends of each horseshoe. You know, and there's a ring in the middle, and there's a way you could twist it to get the ring off. Yeah. And there's a and and this is like the the most classic one. And then you can get it back on. And the first time you get it off, you're like, I did it. And then you're like, How did I do it? Right. I have no idea. Yeah. Not only how did I do it, but how do I get this ring back off? Right. And that's the second puzzle that's <laughs> built into every one of these. How yeah. do I put it back? Actually, my keychain that I've been using for many years is like the ring that you have to get yeah. off of one of those toys for a long time now because I love them, but there's so few of them that, that are actually good in my opinion. But sure. the idea is like, once you get it off, you're like, I don't feel good about that. I solved it, but now I don't. And then Right, like, what, what did I do? But in that Rude case, you, you've you got this whole other, we'll put it back on. Okay, now take it back off again. And now I can do the horseshoe one without thinking, basically. Because I just know the move. And it's complex, and it's three-dimensional, and that's hard to keep in your brain. But yeah, I know what you mean. The first time you do it, it doesn't feel good. And you don't feel like you've actually done it. But in that case, I did it, like, you know, hundreds more times right. than I can do it easily now. Yeah, and it's very funny because I there's almost nothing that's actually like that in this experience. Right? You do, in mm-hmm. fact, have to just do it to get it right. But it, it just feels like every jump in this game, there's like a percentage chance I'm going to get it right. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all hard, so it's like a 40% chance I'm going to get it right. And so I just have to play it, you know, 0.4 times, 0.4 times, 0.4 times, 0.4 times, one over that. I play it that many times and I will succeed. And at a certain point, it stops feeling like I'm developing skill. Mm. And it starts feeling like there's a bunch of random chances that I'm repeating to draw the right hand. Right. I know the feeling. I didn't have it with Celeste, but I only played the very beginning of it. Which, as Mm -hmm. you've already said, is like on the regular curve where you don't feel like that. And I love Celeste. I think people should play it. Yeah. Whatever the designer makes next time, I will just buy. Probably sight unseen. Because I like the game that much. Sounds good. Yeah, I bought Binding of Isaac. I did not like Binding of Isaac that much, which I understand other people do like a lot, yeah, but I mean, it's the Super Meat Boy sequel. Yeah. It's not a sequel, but it's, you know, the next game made by that same company. Yeah, I talked to Zeus about Binding of Isaac a lot. Oh. Hi, Zeus. He's but a real so person. Don't just that's trust That's what us. I was playing. I was playing Celeste, and I played this other board game, but what have you been up to? So I'd just like to go through this really quickly, because I think we're mostly yeah. out of time. But first, I played the Crashlands beta for their update for that game. Yep. They call it the Comover beta, or the Comover update. They were adding a bunch of features, including a creative mode and a hardcore mode. And I did a little bit of bug testing on them. I'm part of their abs. They're something bug squad, something, something. It's funny because I listened to the podcast and I, yeah. in my, my brain has stored that acronym, but I don't remember. Yeah, I lost it too but basically they've asked some of their community to be like do you want to check out some of our stuff when we release it the powerful beat scotch abs (laughs) yeah that's true that's like a link that you use somewhere i don't remember and so i did that i found a sweet bug about how one of their sound effects doesn't use your volume control that you said. Oh, that seems bad. Yeah, it was bad. I was like, why is that one sound way louder than everything else? And it was the same exact sound effect that they used for other places. It was involved using their menus. Sure. Programming is hard. Yeah, it's hard. It seemed like a pretty regular thing. I think I understood the bug based on the user, the end user thing, which is not true of all bugs. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of times you see through and you're like, yeah. 
I, I could have fucked that up. Yeah. So I did that, and that was fun. I reported a couple other things. I spent a couple hours maybe playing that, so I didn't like do a whole lot. But I did find some things and report them, so yeah. I felt you good did about your that. Job, which, yeah, that's with the, the volunteer job. So yeah, good job. Right. Yeah. I was on a train that didn't have very good Wi-Fi, and I could do that. You're on a train. They yep. can't complain. <laughs> true i also played i've been playing a little terraria which i know i'm like way behind the times on this one but i like got it on my phone and my main response to bryce saying he's played terraria is just to think that that is what children play <laughs> um because i work with so many children who are playing that game a lot mm-hmm. it's like minecraft but 2d and it's funny because i actually think it seems pretty fun i yeah. like minecraft and i like two more than three it's fun i don't have a lot to say about it uh, other than it lost my whole game and it like wouldn't download the new update so then i manually downloaded the new update but then it didn't have my game save and then the other one wouldn't play well to be fair that's better than minecraft which you literally can't buy weird i know you've had more problems with <laughs> minecraft which i think is maybe for another episode <laughs> And then lastly, I've been playing Her Story, and I'm still part Her way. Story. Her Story, which is awesome in a lot of ways. It's a bunch of video clips and a search engine for the video clips, but it only shows you the top five results. And then you are essentially trying to solve a crime by entering search terms into a search engine. And it's surprisingly compelling, despite the fact that lots of people told me it was very compelling and surprisingly compelling. I mean, to be fair, the phrase solving a crime by entering search terms is not surprisingly compelling. That just sounds awesome. Yeah, I guess like having your primary interface with the game being a search engine is a little weird. Until you realize that your primary interface with the world you live in is a search engine. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's good. Lots of other people have said a lot about it. I think it was Mark Brown's pick of the year once. I think that's true. I've I've read so much about it. Yeah. I really want to play it. There are so many games that I want to play that I don't play. Yeah. Um, And it has been very high on my list of things I want to play for so long. Right. I've spent maybe like three hours and I'm most of the way done. Yeah, I should probably do it. So, like, it's really kind of just a sitting... Although it's nice to break it up because you let your brain think about it for a little bit and then you come back to it again. So I've been playing it, like, right before bed for a little bit and it's been nice. Yeah, I should just do it. Like, Katie and I should do it as, like, a long weekend or something. Yeah. It's like, let's play this game. Yeah, and you can play it together. And I recommend having a little piece of paper. Like, you want the little, like, detective notebook. Like if you were playing Clue. Right, yeah. And you just want to, like... Write down terms that you would like to look up later. I think that would be incredibly helpful. I've been just trying to use memory and it's harder. And I'm like, if I had just written down every term and then come back later, it would have been better. Well, and we recently just received a donation of mostly garbage that included a notebook that was of carbon paper. So, <laughs> so you could play it and then pass off the right, carbon yeah, copy. So we could we could solve all crimes. That's uh, great because I think carbon paper is the main tool <laughs> for crime solving. Yeah. Yeah, or most anything. You could do a rubbing. Yeah, any problem we had to solve in the 80s, it mostly involved carbon paper. Ah, that's good. This was actually set in like 94, 96. Yeah, by the 80s, I mean the early 90s, like many of us. Yeah. But that's it. That's mostly what I've been playing. Cool. Yeah, I played some things, but I think, I don't know, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah, I think Um, we're at the very extreme of our time. Yeah, so I think there's a lot to talk about in the future. Yeah. Let's look forward to that future. Yeah, which hopefully will be sooner than the last future. Yeah. I mean, this is the last future, but... 
Right. Yeah. The next future should be sooner than the last one, I hope. And with that, I'm Will. <laughs> and I'm Price. And this has been Side Quests. Yeah, and if you would like to ask us questions, you can email us at contact at sidequestspodcast.com. Many quests. But just one podcast. Correct. And you should subscribe to us, this podcast. If there's any tool you can use to subscribe to a podcast, like iTunes or Stitcher or I don't know, like if you wrote some software for yourself to subscribe to RSS feeds. Yeah, that somehow links into some of those other ones. I don't know how they do it. It's a bunch of black magic, but if you can access this black magic in any way, you should. Yeah. And you should subscribe, and you should like, or heart, yeah. or plus Right, if we can get any hearts, or... pluses, stars. Yeah. I love to be invincible or have more health. Yeah. Uh, and tell friends. Yeah. Which is maybe Because even your better. friends can give us stars. Yeah, that's true. Right. You don't have to give any stars away as long as you make your friends give the stars and away. soon we shall have all the stars. <laughs> Wait, sorry, that was the wrong kind of laugh. That was more evil than I was. We'll be fine. With all the stars, it'll be great. Alright, thanks for listening. And have a good night. Good night for today and morning. Bye. Bye.